Christmas Surprise by Patricia Scott. At the age of 12, I became obsessed with the idea of recording an album for our parents for Christmas 1955. My sister aged 9, my brother aged 10 and myself would sing some of our favourite songs of the era. As you can imagine, this was an unusual undertaking, especially for a child in those days. My sister and I always took our time while washing the dishes so we could sing our hearts out to the latest songs by Doris Day, Pat Boone, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Lynn, to name but a few. There were also a few child stars at the time, Shirley Temple and Judy Garland, which gave me inspiration. We had all loved the movie Hans Christian Andersen starring Danny Kaye, with its songs Inchworm, The Ugly Duckling and The King's New Clothes. I remember feeling the romance and sadness of Hans Christian Andersen as he dreamed of the love of his life, the lovely French ballerina. So moved, we chose the music of The Ugly Duckling, God's Little Candles and Let the Sun Shine In to record. The recording was to be kept a secret from our parents. I found a local recording studio, Dunford Recordings, not too far from where we lived in Christchurch. I rang and asked the cost of making a recording. It was £2.10, shillings, today's equivalent of 88 Australian dollars or 95 New Zealand dollars. I also asked how much recording space was allowed for on each side of the disc. I typed the words of the songs out onto foolscap paper on my granddad Donaldson's old typewriter and placed them on a cardboard backing so they wouldn't rustle while we were making the recording. Then I timed our singing and messages to fit the disc. The old cash box which my grandfather had originally used in his law stationer's shop had been given to me. In this I saved the money I had earned from helping my Auntie May in the school holidays. She had a typing and duplicating business where I collated, stapled and folded hundreds of documents. Soon I had enough money to pay for the recording. I rang an old friend of the family, Beverly Rastrick, and persuaded her to accompany us on the piano. We could not practice with her for fear of being found out, but I got my sister and brother together and we worked out a routine. I then rang the studio and booked an appointment for 10am on a Tuesday two weeks before Christmas. I arranged with Auntie May, in strictest secrecy, to collect and take us to the studio at the appointed time. Auntie May pretended she was taking us to the pictures. On the day, carrying the cash box and contents, music and typed words, We all arrived at the studio, which was up a steep flight of stairs above Hoyle's appliance shop. The studio was a large room with an upright piano and microphone in one corner and a desk with a control panel on it in another corner. In the middle of the room was a second microphone, quite unsophisticated by today's standards. In those days, if a soprano wanted to sing a loud high note, she had to softly run several paces backward to hit the note otherwise it would become distorted through the microphone. Then she would run quickly and softly back to the microphone to finish the song. We sang our first two songs a couple of times over so they could select the best version, but by the time we got to the third song, we only recorded it once as we were getting rather tired. My brother Alan added syncopation accent beats to let the sun shine in, and he whistled the last part of The Ugly Duckling. Years later we would remember his whistling, as he learnt to whistle like a canary. We put a message which I had composed at the beginning of the first side 
and wished our parents a happy Christmas on the second side. When the recording was finished, it was put onto a vinyl disc, labelled and placed in a cardboard sleeve. The technician who did the recording was so delighted with it that he offered to charge us £2 only, but we naively told him to give it to his children for Christmas. How my auntie must have quietly giggled to herself at our goings-on. Outside the studio door, on the small landing at the top of the stairs, my sister argued with me over who was going to carry the record home. I had been holding it very carefully, but she snatched it from me and it rolled out of its jacket, down the stairs, bounced onto the pavement and then onto the road. Gasp! Horror! But mercifully, it was undamaged. Christmas Day came and we excitedly gave our precious present to our parents. They were overwhelmed, but they also had a surprise for us. There, in the corner of the lounge, we discovered a brand new radiogram to play the record on. It had never occurred to me that we might need such an apparatus to play the record on. My parents had been secretly warned by my auntie about our escapade, and unbeknown to us, they were downstairs in Hoyle's appliance shop buying a radiogram to play the record on. They actually saw the record roll out onto the street. Many years later, when my parents divorced, the one thing they haggled over was who should have custody of our recording. While sorting out my mother's house in Christchurch in 2001, I came across the money box, the typed song sheet and pieces of music we had used, complete with my childish writing on the cover. I'm so pleased she had saved them. And of course, the recording has become more poignant for us as we lost our brother at the age of 42. Sadly, too, the Hoyle's appliance shop and Dunford's recording studio are no longer in existence as the building was destroyed by the 2011 Christchurch earthquake. Our recording has become an echo of the past. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia Narration by Zoe Mernier Sound production by Ricky Price